Well, good morning. I love that song, that living hope that we have. And Kelly, I've, I've, I've experienced that, that moment in my life when I was struggling and I, and I felt the Lord's power. The, the, the times in my life when I didn't know what to do and God showed me what to do. You know, this morning we're in this incredible passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 10 through 13 today. And, um, and I'm, I'm praying that the Lord speaks to us. You know, this is an incredible passage of Scripture that, that, that honestly is a, is a goal for all of us as believers. As if, if you're a Christian today, this, Paul lays out this, this example. He, he sets this example for us that, that I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm still trying to embrace. And I, and I anticipate I'll be spending a lifetime trying to understand. Uh, but, you know, um, I was thinking this week, when, when my kids were little, we used to go, to go to McDonald's. That was a big event for us with our little kids. And, and we'd go for the Happy Meal. Remember the Happy Meals? Remember, how many of you are still in that phase of Happy Meal phase? That's a, yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, that, that's false advertising. Because uh, not one time, my kids are older now. We haven't done the Happy Meal thing in a while. But there's not been one moment that they've walked up to me and said, Father, thank you. For the Happy Meal because it's still working in my li- life. No, it's, 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 it didn't work. It didn't last. And, and you know, that's the reality of, of all of life. I mean, I mean we, we don't ever get out of that Happy Meal idea that, that if I can, I get something to make me happy. Well, we still get in that struggle uh, as adults where we, we look at, at this um, life and we think, man, if I drove that car, I would be happy. If I, if I uh, lived in that neighborhood, if, if I got that job or, or whatever, you name it. You know, we live in this idea that, that stuff makes us happy. And in our country, it's one of the worst. That's the reality of our world we live in. That's, that's what drives advertising, people saying, you need this. And this morning, we're, we're confronting this incredible passage of Scripture that, that defies our, our natural tendencies. And, 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 you know, we've been going through the book of Philippians, and we've actually been in this book since January, and, and we're kind of coming in for a landing. This, uh, next week, we'll finish the book of Philippians, and, and it's important to study a book like this because when you study it going through it, um, you really get to understand the context. And over and over again, we've looked at this, this incredible moment in Paul's life as he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi. I mean, this is a really tough time for him. He has been imprisoned. He is, uh, at this point that he's writing this letter, he's chained to a guard 24 hours a day, and, and, and he writes incredible things about his walk with the Lord. And, and, he, and all through the book, he's, he's writing like, I rejoice. And you know, when you, look at an, when you look at Paul's life and understand this circumstance right here, this is one of those moments that you can honestly say, uh, God has left you, bro. I mean, you are, he's not even close to you. And there are times in our lives, I think, that we can look at circumstances and go through tough times and, and wonder, God, are you there? I've, I've thought that. I've thought that, God, do you see me right now? And you may have walked in the room today and you've been, you're in a tough spot. I don't know where your life is right now. 
but, but, but it's important that, that we recognize why Paul would say over and over again in the midst of this really, really tough circumstance, I rejoice in the Lord. Well, why is that? Because he, he's grown up in his faith. He's mature. He's, he's, he's come to understand that regardless of the circumstance, God is faithful. And, and that's true for all of us. Do you know that regardless of the circumstance we face, God's always faithful. He always keeps his word. And, and this is why it's important to recognize Scripture in context, because when you really understand the situation that Paul's in, you can't help but be amazed at how incredible this is. And, and basically, Paul had grown up. And, and can I tell you, this is my prayer for us as a church, as, for us as believers, that we grow up in our faith. Because, you know, sometimes we, some of us have, have been immature believers for too long, and we're called to grow up in our faith, grow up as believers. Now, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 10 through 13 is, is just an incredible passage. And, and you, we're going we're gonna to look at one of the verses in Scripture that are, it's most often taken out of context. And so would you stand with me and let's look at this passage today, Philippians chapter 4, 10 through 13. And let's, let's dive into this a little bit. Paul says, verse 10, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now let's let's look at this. Now this idea of contentment. The the word contentment means that desiring no more than what one has or to be satisfied now, now think about this. Think about your life. Do a snapshot of your life right now. Contentment means that, that you are content with everything you have. You don't desire anything else than what you've already got. That, that desire to be satisfied with where you are and with what God has done. Now let's understand this. Because the, the, the reality is there are some things that we should never be content with. Like yesterday, I, I, I spoke, I got to go uh, talk to the, our ambassador baseball team. And, uh, and, and, you know, these are guys that are starting this ministry and, and, they're, and they're going to play baseball this summer and share the gospel all over the place. And, and, and I said to them without apology, hey, look, we care if we win, okay? Uh, we, we need to go win. You know, I want, we're going to go, we're going to pitch inside, if the, you know, because that's baseball. We're going we're gonna to take out a second baseman if the rules allow. We're going to play hard, and we're going to play to win. We're not just going out there and just going, okay, we love Jesus. No, we're going to try to beat you, and that's, that's in, in Jesus' name. We're going to do that. And um, so there are some things we shouldn't be satisfied with. We shouldn't be satisfied with just mediocre, you know, as a church, we should do things with excellence. We should, we should uh, pay attention to the way we live. We should never be uh, uh, satisfied with just, uh, uh, um, uh, just doing a ho-hum job, 
at our, at our work. As a Christian, we should do the best. We should be the best employee. We should be the best students. We should be the, the hardest uh, working athletes as in, our, in our sports, in our lives. So I'm not saying that we should be lethargic when I say let's be content. But, but the Scripture moves us to understand that, that we're to be content with our lives, with what God is doing in our lives. Now, now Paul has done this. He is growing in this. Now, uh, point number one is this, and I want us to see this. Contentment is a discipline to be learned. Let's think about this. Look back at verse, verse 10. Paul says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. And indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And then what's amazing about this is, is think about Paul's problems that he has right now. I mean, he's got some major problems in his life. But yet he writes, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. And that's amazing to me that, that he is, he's learned this discipline of contentment. And, and all through the book he says this, and I love it. He says that at last your concern for me, uh, I, I rejoice that you are concerned. I rejoice in the Lord that you care about me, that you see me. That, and this is the church that is concerned for him. And, and he says uh, that, that now you, you had no opportunity to show it, but, but I am grateful to the Lord that you're concerned for me. And I love this about, this is a great picture of what church is like. And, you know, there's a, there's a philosophy of church that we've got to... Uh, that we've got to change. We've got to recognize that it's wrong. There, there's an idea of church that, that I'm just going to walk in and leave without anybody knowing me. And, and that's not what church is. I mean, I'm, uh, my, my, when my daughter, Emily, when she left our house and went to college, she, for the first time in her life, she could choose where she's going to go to church. And I said, okay, let's talk about what church is. Church is being in life together and helping one another. And right here, you see that. Because Paul is like, I am so grateful for your concern. And you know what? That's what church is. We're to be concerned for one another. And I've seen that in my life, the, 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 the blessing of, of the church being concerned for me and, and helping me. And, 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 you know, when I've, we've gone through difficult times, meals were brought by. And, and, and you know, there was also a time that, that the church was concerned for me. Now, I'll never forget, I, I shared this in the first service, and you've probably heard me say this before, but, but, but you know, the, there was a, a moment in my life that from ministry, it was going great. My ministry was just, I mean, there were lots of things happening, but my marriage was struggling. And I had a guy on my staff at church at, at Council Road that, that, that noticed this. And he came to me and he said, look, uh, can I come talk to you? And I was like, sure, man, I got some time. He goes, no, I got to come to your house. I was like, all right, all right uh, come to my house, that's fine. So we set an appointment, he came to my house, he walked in my living room, and he said, uh, he said, hey, man, I just want you to know that your wife is hurting and you don't have a clue. And you're not going to have a marriage or a ministry in five years if you don't stop what you're doing. And then I look at Jay, his name's Jay McSwain, I look at him and I, and I look over at Robin, she starts crying. I'm looking, I go, you punk? I mean, come to my house, make my wife cry. But, but, but he was right. And then he left. He just left. See you later. That's all I need to tell you. And he left. But you know what? Looking back on that now, my, my workaholism and my, uh, my uh, 
the habits that I had back then, you know what? We changed them. And, and, and guess what? Jay was right. That was a moment that the church was concerned for me. And this is why I pray that we are a group of people that say, uh, I rejoice in the fact that our church is concerned for each other. This is why I pray that you don't just come in and leave and, and you don't plug into the, the life of our church. Because Paul's like, it, he's in a tough time. This is a very difficult moment for him. And, and in the midst of this trial, he's like, you know what? Your concern for me is so amazing. It causes me, in the midst of my terrible moment, terrible time, very difficult circumstance, to rejoice in the Lord. Man, let's not miss that. Now, we see that, that you know, contentment is a discipline. And without apology, God moves us to put disciplines in our lives. And, and can, I, can I challenge us today to learn the discipline of contentment? Now, now, what does that mean? What does discipline of contentment mean? We've got to choose to be content with God's leadership in our lives. I mean, are you content with God's leadership in your life? That's where Paul is. He's like, okay, look, if I'm a, if I'm a prisoner for the Lord, like Ephesians 4.1, the letter to the Ephesians, uh, as a prisoner for the Lord, I'm going to live a life worthy of the calling I've received. That, that Paul is content with God's leadership right now. He's like, God, I trust you. And this is a, a discipline for us that, that God is working in our lives. God has a plan for you. God is at work in you. And, and the, the challenges you face, this, the, the, the difficult times you face, I want you to know God has a plan through that. And God is teaching, that you, can, teaching you that you can trust him. Because as I look back on my journey, the, the times that I've learned to trust the Lord has not been when, when it's all going super the times that I've learned to really trust the Lord is when I've, got, when I've been on my knees saying, God, I need you right now. God, I, I, I'm depending on you right now. And so if that's where you are, man, that's a great spot to choose to be content with God's leadership in your life. That's part of that discipline. Another discipline of contentment is, is to choose to be content with the relationships that God gives you. I mean, sometimes we're not content with our relationships, are we? We look at, oh, man, I wish my husband was like that guy or my wife was like that lady. Or I wish, you know, uh, I, I didn't have to work with the people I'm working with or, and all those things. But to, but to realize God has a purpose in those relationships and that we are a discipline to recognize God. I will be content with the relationships in our lives. We, we, we're choosing, and this is a big one, we ch to, to be disciplined with contentment, to learn the discipline of contentment. We choose to be content with the possessions God provides. You know, sometimes we're not content with our possessions. You know, it's interesting, years, I, I, before I came here, I was a youth pastor for Forever. That's all I did. And, and I, I would have parent after parent come to me and say, Chris, why can't my child stop giving into peer pressure? And, and can I tell you what I found a lot of times? Not every time, but a lot of times. That, that this child who can't say no to a, to a peer pressure moment has grown up in a home that, that they heard conversations like, hey, our neighbor got a new car, and hey, let's, we got to get a new car now. Or, or you know, they got a, swim, a swimming pool. Well, we got to go get a swimming pool. 
You know, this idea of I'm going to keep up with my neighbors. And the reality is we should learn to be content with what we have. And, you know, you know it's, not, it's good to get a new car and all those things. But, but you know what? My, my car's fine. I'm content with what I have. This is important because, you know, um, all, through, all through life, we're going to be tempted to look at stuff and think that I need that happy meal, if you will but it's not going to deliver. That's why I love what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy as he writes to Timothy, verse, chapter 6, verse 6 through 7. He says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. Isn't that true? To learn the discipline of contentment. And, and, you know, the, the reality is it's not going to be learned in a 30-minute sermon, but, but Paul is, is teaching us. Look back at verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Now, now you're like, Paul, you are in need. You're in prison. You're chained to this guard. And, and, and man, you got some needs, buddy. But, but he's like, no, I'm not in need. Look at this. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance, whatever the circumstances. Man, did you hear that? I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I mean, Paul, Paul grew up very wealthy. He grew up uh, in the educated class, and, and, and you know, he was, a, he was a businessman. He was a tent maker. He, he could provide for himself, and he's like, look, I, I know what success is. I, I, I've, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Look at this. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry whether in living in plenty or, or living in want. Now, how did he do that? How can he be in a time of, 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 of want or hunger or need and be content? You know, it's obviously we can say, oh, well, in a time of plenty, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm content. We see the guy that wins the lottery, though the studies have shown that that usually destroys their lives. I don't think it's helped anybody. But all of us are like, oh, well, give me that burden. I'll take it, you know. But, but the reality is it's, it's, it's not fulfilling. And, and so it's, it's, it's important that we recognize that, that how did Paul do this? Well, well, contentment is cultivated through gratitude, isn't it? Point number two is that contentment is cultivated. It grows through this gratitude in our lives. You know, so what does that look like? We, we're, we learn to be thankful for the less than perfect gifts. You know, we have, we, we've been given some gifts that are less than perfect, right? You know, but, but aren't you thankful for those less than perfect gifts? I am so glad that God gave Robin a less than perfect gift called a husband named Chris Wall. I am grateful because I, I mean, uh, man, look, I'm, I'm a less than perfect gift in her life. But, but you know, you know what? I've also learned, like ambassadors yesterday, uh, the, the, the journey of that ministry was a tragedy in my life. 
But you know what? There have been times I, I thanked the Lord all the way home last, last night, yesterday, from, you know, we have three of our boys, First Baptist Owasso boys, that are playing baseball for the ambassadors this year. And, and I was thankful for, the, for that. That was a tough time. But see, God uses tough circumstances in powerful ways. So can I challenge us? If you're in a, if, if you're in a moment where you have a less than perfect gift, be thankful for that. That's where Paul was. Uh, also, don't, don't overlook the routine gifts. That, that routine gift of, man, I woke up this morning. That routine gift of, Man, I could, I could um, you know, um, our children. Sometimes those are like, sometimes it's tough to thank the Lord for our children, isn't it? Right? Um, we do. We thank the Lord for our children. We just have those moments. Sorry. Um, I love my kids. Uh, but, but sometimes we forget to be thankful for our, our husband, our wife. I mean, when's the last time you went up to your husband and said, you know, I'm so thankful I'm married to you. Um, you know, when's the last time you went to your wife? It's been a while, but I'm thankful that I'm married to you. When's the last time you went up to somebody in, that you knew and said, I am so thankful I'm not married to you. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. But uh, I'll just joke. Um, but, but look, to be thankful for those, um, those normal things. You know, and, and here's what we see. The greatest enemy of, of gratitude, isn't it comparison? We get into this, added, this moment of comparing ourselves to others and comparing life, and, and, and you get into this false sense of this trap of comparison. And, and you know, Paul He's setting this incredible example of, you know, I'm just grateful. Grateful for the church is concerned for me. I've learned to be content, whether hungry or in need, or whether, whether in times of plenty or in times of, 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 of want. It's such a powerful moment. And, and look at verse 13. And this is the misquoted verse because so often this verse is, is, is like, quoted when I won the state championship, or I, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can, I'm going to go beat that guy or all the, and, and you know what? God gives you strength, but, but can, you know the context of this is not winning the state championship. It's getting, getting hammered here, getting beat up. It's, it's, it's this moment of it's not going well, and, and I'm, I don't even see how God can even uh, be present here. But guess what? God gives strength. I can do all things through God who gives me strength. And that's why it's important to recognize that and grow up in our faith that, because sometimes when, when things go bad, we're quick to bail on the Lord. But see, Paul is teaching us as, as a mature believer, no, when, when circumstances get tough, that's when God shows his faithfulness. And this is very important for us to recognize. And how did, how did Paul get to that moment where he said, I can do this? 
I can do this, this tough moment, this imprisonment, this beating of uh, this beating that I'm taking. I, this morning, I, I go through the one-year Bible in my quiet time, and, and this morning I was in Acts 28 when when Paul was was shipwrecked, and he goes to this island, and he and they're making a fire, and all of a sudden a snake bit him, and it's hanging. It's, the Acts 28 says it's hanging from his hand. Now, I would freak out, okay? I would go be with Jesus right then, just the sheer terror, because uh, snakes should be dead, you know? Um, but, but Paul, he, it's, it's a tough time. But he said, I can do this through him who gives me strength. And I want you to know, no, the, the next crisis that you face, if you're in a crisis right now, you can do that. You can do this. Through him who gives you strength. And you may say, well, man, Chris, wow, how did you know this, that, that I was in this moment today and I was going to come on Memorial Day and how did you know this? I, I didn't. God, you know, we planned this, hey, we're going to go through Philippians. We planned this a year ago. I'm not that good to know that. But God's spirit is at work. And my prayer is that we grow up and recognize that the tough times, the next tough time you go through, you can do this through him who gives you strength. Now, how did Paul do it? He, point number three is this. He plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he did. He was trusting the Lord. He was plugged into the power of God. The Holy Spirit was, was, was moving in him and strengthening him. And, and I've seen that. I've been there in those moments where I'm like, Lord, um, I need you right now. I can't do that. I can't love that person. I can't forgive that person. I can't let that go. And God's like, no, you can do this through him who gives me strength. I can't forgive my wife. I can't forgive my husband. I can't, I, I can't let go of that anger with that coworker. No, you, you can. You can do this through him who gives you strength. Now, I love what Paul lived this out. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he, he, we, talk, we hear about Paul's thorn in the flesh, Remember? That thorn in the flesh that he said, God, would you take this away from me? Do you know God never took that away from him? Never. And that's why he wrote in verse 9, chapter 12, verse 9, 2 Corinthians. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so Christ's power may rest on me. Now, did you notice that? That, that look, I'm weak, I'm struggling, I'm hurting, but, but, but in the midst of my weakness, Christ's power will rest on me. This is why, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12. Why, why is that where Paul could say, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong? Because when you recognize your weakness, you're on your knees saying, God, I'm depending on you. God, I need you. And we, I found in my own life, I get in a lot of trouble when I'm like, God, I got this. Man, I can handle this. No, no, you know what? We can't. 
I can't handle sin. I can't handle temptation. I can't handle life on my own. And people say, oh, you're just a Christian because, because you're, you, you're, you're, just, you're just weak. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so is everybody else. And, and I'll tell you what, we need the Lord. We need Jesus. So understand this, that, that turning to Jesus in all circumstances will help you become content no matter what you face. Don't you see that? That turning to Christ in every circumstance in your life will help you become content. And I pray we grow up in this. We recognize this. God's saying that, that if you'll look to me, I'll, I'll be your sufficiency. I'll, I'll be your contentment. I'll help you if you look to me. And so often we, we don't. We don't look to him. And we, we, we buy into this, this I'm going to go my own way. There's another thing that's just on my heart as I thought about this, that when Jesus is moved from the main focus of life, do you know that we naturally become unhappy, unsatisfied, unfulfilled? Have you noticed that, that when, when Christ is, is moved from the center of your life, you, you tend to go, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not satisfied because those happy meals don't work. It doesn't work. And, and, and I pray that we grow up in this moment to say, no matter what happens, Lord, I'm going to trust you. You know, um, I'm so grateful for my father-in-law. This week has been a tough week in our family because he was in the hospital. He just got out on Friday. And, and you know, he, we didn't know what was going on, and on, 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 he was supposed to preach at Calvary today. That's where he's supposed to preach. He's supposed to preach there. And we didn't know how long he's going to be in the hospital. And, and it was so amazing. He's like, Chris, I need to preach on Sunday. I go, Paul, you, I, I, I don't even know. What we we got to figure out what's wrong. I, you can't preach. And he's like, oh, I really need to preach. I go, oh, man, our church will kill me if you preach because, I mean, man, I'm slave driving my father-in-law. I know you're in the hospital. Get up there and go preach, you know, preach at Calvary. And he's like, but this is such a great illustration because, this is a tough time. And you know what I watched? Here's my father-in-law. We don't know what's wrong with him. And, and we, we do now. It's fine. He's fine. He's, he's home and, and he's, it's better. But, but he's given blood. And the lady's taking blood from him. And he's, he's, you know what he said? He goes, do you know that the, the Bible says the life is in the blood? And he's witnessing to this lady. You know, the, the guy taking him to the room. I mean, this is not a, being in the hospital is not a fun time. It's not like there's better places to stay in Tulsa. And, and but as we're walk, going into a room, the room, I think his name was Edgar. He's like, Edgar, we're going to pray. You want to pray with us? And I'm like, this guy is the real deal. You know? Um, and he's like, Chris, I, I need to preach because it's a, uh, it's a great illustration of how God has strengthened me in, in a time of weakness. I go, let me just tell it, <laughs> and you just get better. But I'll tell you what, when you are weak, he's strong. And you can do this because he gives you strength.